Art of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Daniel McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 15 Now, in sad autumn, as I take my darkening path, a solitary bird. Basho When Taro reached the first village the following morning, he knew that he was the farthest he had ever been from home. Every step he took carried him farther away from everything he had ever known, and the thrill of the chase was intoxicating. He spent the night sleeping in the crook of an oak tree. Before he had grown into a man, he loved climbing trees, and he often whiled away entire afternoons sleeping in the branches while his exasperated mother searched for him. But she was dead now. His father was still alive, but he loved his jars of sake more than his son. Was his father angry that he had gone away? Probably. Taro was the eldest, heir to the house and family plot of land, but he was sure that he would never be a farmer now. The thought of going back with his purpose unfulfilled was as loathsome as anything he could imagine. He was happy that the wound in his leg did not pain him any more. Yesterday had been agony. Today his calf and ankle were suffused with a strange numbness. He did not remove the makeshift bandages. The wound must not be as bad as he first thought. In any case, he had other things to keep his attention, like following the Ronin's trail. When he reached the village, they told him that the Ronin had indeed been there the night before, but he was protecting Nishimuta no Kazuko and her handmaiden. The village headman was alarmed to hear that the Ronin had slain a Nishimuta clan constable, if he had known, he would have had the man arrested. The girl did not know of the Ronin's crime. The three of them and their stretcher-bearers had departed early that morning. If Taro hurried, perhaps he could still catch them. Taro thanked him for the information, and the headman then gave him several rice balls and some pickled plums to sustain him in his pursuit. Taro wasted no time. He mustn't let his quarry gain on him, so he moved faster now. His leg felt so much better. He could run for stretches, and he imagined how the ronin was slowed down by curing the wounded woman. Today, he would have his quarry, and he could return home triumphant. But at mid-morning, he came to a fork in the road. Which way had the ronin gone? The ground was too rocky for tracks and there were no drag marks in the dirt today, because some of the villagers were carrying the stretcher. But he could not waste valuable time with indecision. He simply chose a direction. As he went, he looked for signs of passage on the road. 
but there were many sets of footprints. As the day approached noon, he saw a man and a woman seated in the grass in a small clearing, hunched over with their heads close together. A small shrine to Kenon stood nearby, and he smelled fresh incense from the offering. As he drew nearer, his heart skipped a beat. The man was wearing a sword, and his back was turned. Was he a ronin? He tried to examine the man's clothes and appearance. He was young and shabbily dressed. The woman's robes were threadbare and worn, but her face was young and pretty. She pointed toward Taro with her head as he approached them. The man turned and looked at Taro. His eyes narrowed. Taro stopped on the road and returned the man's gaze. The man's voice was gruff and short of patience. What are you staring at, boy? This man was too old to be the ronin he sought, and this woman was definitely not a noble maiden. Her skin was sun-darkened, and her eyes were hard with a cruel glint. Taro stood straighter and faced them. I am looking for a ronin criminal. He has a woman with him. The man exploded into movement. Bastard, he snarled as he launched himself at Taro. Taro scrambled backward, reflexively drawing his jite with his right hand. With his other hand, he pulled Takenaga's short sword from its scabbard. Before he could think, the other man's blade was whistling toward his eyes. He brought up the short sword and deflected the blow high. If he had not, he would have lost the top of his head. He scrambled backwards under a rain of powerful blows, barely keeping the deadly edge at bay. Then, a strange sensation around his leg distracted him just long enough to miss an opportunity to catch the man's sword with his jite. For a moment, he thought that the pain in his wound had suddenly returned, until he tried to take another step backward and found his ankle ensnared in a chain. With a sneer on her lips, the woman hauled on the other end of the chain and jerked his leg out from under him. He fell hard backwards onto the earth. The man's blade hissed through the space occupied by his belly an instant before. The woman's fierce eyes and sly smile speared into his mind and awoke something lying hidden within. A strange roaring filled his ears, drowning all other sound. She hauled on the chain again, spinning his body on the ground like a top and pulling him closer to her partner. Just close enough. Taro slashed with the short sword at the man's legs and felt the blade grate against bone. The man grunted in pain and staggered backward. A thin red line crossing both of his shins began to drip crimson. The man fell backward, groaning. Taro dropped the short sword, grabbed the chain, and pulled with all his might. The woman gasped as he pulled her off balance. Her hard, dark eyes bulged and her mouth dropped open. He jerked again, and she flew toward him as if she was light as a feather. As her body tumbled toward him, he savagely thrust his jite to meet her, and the blunt point speared deep into her belly. A gurgling scream tore from her lips, strangely muffled by the roaring sound in Taro's ears, and she fell to the earth. Taro scrambled to his feet and pulled his jite from her body. The man groaned, clutching his shins with bloody fingers. 
The roaring in Taro's ears all but drowned out the man's agonized curses. They came to him as if from a great distance. He stood over the man, and the man scrambled backwards, trying to get away. You fool, Taro shouted, his voice rising. I wasn't looking for you. The man just glared at him. Did a ronin and a noble woman pass this way, carrying a wounded woman on a stretcher? The man shook his head. How long have you been on this road? Tell me and I will spare your life. All day. We have seen no one. The roaring in Taro's ears grew louder. He had chosen the wrong path. His vision blackened for a moment as if the sun had been snuffed and all light disappeared. For a moment he was overcome with dizziness. Then, just as suddenly, the light returned. He looked down at the man again. The man's body now lay in two pieces, with a spreading pool of gore and entrails gushing from the cut across the man's abdomen. Taro shook his head in bewilderment. Had he done this? It was a powerful cut to cleave a man that way. He looked down at the short sword in his hand. The blade was smeared with dripping crimson almost to the guard. He blinked and tried to remember, his head swimming. He staggered back a step and sank to his knees. The stench of the man's entrails reached his nose, and he retched. He did not remember how long he sat that way, trying to regain his composure. But when he did, he stood up and looked at the woman. Cold, lifeless eyes stared up at the bright blue sky. Strange how her eyes in death looked much like when she was alive. Then he noticed a cloth satchel lying in the grass where they had been sitting. It was lying untied and open. He approached it and looked inside. At first glance, the contents looked like only a bundle of bloody rags. He upended the satchel, and out fell a clinking cascade of bronze and silver coins, and a few rags spattered with blood that was still fresh. It seemed that his fight was not useless. These two had been robbers, and some unlucky soul had died today to yield up this bit of coin. The bloodied cloth was fine, pale silk, perhaps belonging to a merchant or a noble. Was this ronin bandit to be believed? The look in his eyes had told Taro that the man had not been lying. He had not seen Taro's quarry today. Taro had indeed taken the wrong path. Time was too short to attend to these bodies. He had already lost half a day's pursuit in going the wrong direction. He discarded the bloody rags, took the coins and stuffed them in his pouch, and ran back the way he had come. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. <laughs>